Welcome to the Resilient Sucks podcast, brought to you by the Adaptability Movement. I'm Ben. And I'm Dan. And we're here to give you resources and tools to help you go from a state of surviving to thriving in life. Resilient sucks the life out of you. And while it's a necessary skill, it's one that we don't want to spend too much time in or we run out of capacity. We're here to talk to you more about how to adapt and find the opportunity and change so you can really go about thriving in your own life. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Pool Compliance Adelaide. Pool Compliance Adelaide has a simple mission, to provide professional advice and photographic proof that your pool complies with the relevant state statutory requirements. If you're buying, renting, or even selling a property, make sure your pool is compliant with Pool Compliance Adelaide. All right, welcome Clifford Miner. Um, mate, uh, we, we met through um, the Australian Athletic Centre, uh, we co-presented um, few months back now, uh, a lot to do with that sort of whole well-being topic, and we would absolutely just thought you'd be a great guest to get on the podcast. You got a lot of value to share with listeners. So, can we just start uh, by having you kind of introduce yourself a little bit to the audience? Yeah. Um, so my name is Cliff. I, um, I guess I, I used to be a soccer player. I guess that's probably the best place to start. Um, played. Here in, in SA, played a little bit in the States as well. Um, and then, yeah, kind of just play semi professionally now here, here in, in, um, in SA, um, studying psychology. So that's where a lot of my time is spent um, outside of football, outside of soccer. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, like we said, we met, I think it was early last year or later last year actually, um, or early this year, I can't remember. But yeah, we just spoke about wellness and stuff and we, we were just connected and. and um, yeah, it's been it's been good chatting chatting to you guys. I guess sort of periodically, but it's been good to kind of do it in a formal setting, which is um, yeah, and then help you guys on on your in your podcast. Terrific, and we got uh, Ben joining us today for the first time as well. So obviously co-founder of the Adaptability Movement, um, and I, I guess I just saw the opportunity to have a bit more of a broader conversation, given that you're not um, you're not just an athlete, you're not just someone studying psychology, like you're someone that's kind of got different perspectives on this issue. Uh, and you know Ben being someone offers a huge amount of value in this as well. I just wanted to try and tease out a little bit of that, um, you know, that value that you have to, to share from from different perspectives. So tell us more about. Um, so you are going down that psychology pathway, mm-hmm. but what is it that draws you to that sort of mental health well being space? Um, I think my time as an athlete probably has most to do with it. I think it's it's a pretty ruthless, um, it's a ruthless environment. Um, it's not very psychologically safe. I know that's a big kind of buzzword at the moment psychological safety but it's it's not the reality is it's it's a tough place to be in um and yeah it you know it can really throw you in a spin sort of mentally um so for me i think coming out of my, my experience as an, as an athlete um just it just started off as an interest really um i was more interested in in the science of it um i come from exercise science background so um, you know, the sort of the nitty gritty science of it is something that appealed to me and kind of thinking about it more, um, actually during COVID is when I really started to knuckle down a little bit during um, some of that, that downtime um, to really under, understand psychology at a deeper level. Um, I, f- I found that it kind of underlies a lot of things that, um, that happen in the real world, whether it be like business or interpersonal relationships and stuff, understanding those concepts, I think was really important to me. And then it just kind of stemmed into actual study and then it, yeah, now I'm you know, doing a doctorate. So it's kind of evolved in a, in an interesting way. Um, 
But I think I think the what I love about psychology is that there is and this is what we spoke about, you know, we spoke about a couple of weeks ago is the mind and body connection is just so deep and, and deep seated in our in our experience as humans. Um, I think what psychology doesn't do a great job of is it feeds great into this idea that um, you know your mind affects your body, but it doesn't quite do the same. It doesn't do this. It doesn't do the reverse order. Sure. The, the same kind of. Um, it doesn't advocate for it as much, and I think that's where, obviously, coming from my exercise science background, um, I find value in the reverse. You know, sometimes you know your your mentality and, and what's happening mentally can affect your body, but there's things you can do at a body level to to kind of help with the reverse. So. Yeah. That's all where a lot of my a lot of my studies focus on, um, and where I see the potential to be a really game changer for a lot of people. Um, it's just to really clearly define what the reverse relationship is like between body and mind. Sure, and like when we spoke about this, we talked about. Um, I think I actually shared an example of when I was younger and first starting out a professional sport, and you know my idea of um, stress and mental health at that point was well I, I need to okay I'm overwhelmed I need to go get a massage to relieve some of the overwhelm and to, to me um, having a much broader understanding of it now is that there's kind of these different sources of, of stress and we've kind of got that um, you're kind of like a physical or chemical and a, and a mental emotional sort of source of it and understanding where the primary source is, but also acknowledging that we can use any one of those areas to relieve some of that burden to make it easier to address whatever that primary source is as well. So when you talk about that that flow back and forth between those two, I almost think there's yeah like a, a triangle of flow through that. And if we can kind of balance that in a way to be able to um, alleviate and regenerate and um, give ourselves more opportunity to be able to face the things that we need to um, overcome, deal with whatever it is, rather than going straight up and going, oh, that's that's the thing I need to address, like smack bang in my face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and now all I do is feel more overwhelmed because it just feels like a chore, it feels hard. Um, you know, like add some context, Ben, like what, what do you feel? Yeah, like uh, I really resonate with what you were saying about, um, I guess how you became to be interested in psychology in terms of through sport and, and, and really understanding um, the sport psychology first because I was actually, I was, I was um, talking to someone the other day and we were speaking about how traditionally um, in sport, um, if you go, if you have a sports psychologist or whatever, it's, they're, they're, all their job is to focus on getting you better at that sport. Yeah. And they think about, oh, okay, here's some things, here's some goal setting things, here's some, um, you know, mindfulness things around how you can visualize better your sport. And I was like, but then they don't actually take into account the rest of your life. And it, it's, it's all about, all right, well, what, what, what's going to make you play better in terms of, um, the sporting stuff but actually in reality if, if the rest of your life is out of balance then that can affect your sporting life and that's something that we speak about here lots is that you have all these different areas of your lives we usually speak about four different areas but if you're going well in three of them but one of them's not going so well that one area has the, the capacity to, to pull all those other areas down and it's not about um, like constantly ma- maintaining like like amazing levels of, of all four of them it's, it's like how can we stop um the big fluctuations in in going from really highs to really lows in, in these different areas and making sure that um we can stay in that middle level as much as we can um so that we can continue to perform whether it's work school family life um in all those different areas to to make sure that we're really um yeah perform at our best as much as we can in those areas 
Yeah, I think the reality is it's not it's not a very clear balance of of all the areas. So however you want to split up your life in the different sort of categories <coughs> you want to do it with, it's, it doesn't really matter. But the reality is that you can't balance all the areas and every, all the areas are going to be in different levels of flux at any given yeah, point in yeah. time. I think the, the reality is that those things have a huge interplay with each other, right? Like, you know, if you're just speaking from my experience as an athlete, you got stuff going on at home. You, you, you're just not going to be able to perform well on the yeah. field. And or we'll you see, might be able to for a short period of time, but then eventually it's going to catch up with you. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's a lot of things in life you can get away with instantaneously. Yeah. But if you really want to be, I think if you really want to buy in, it's got to be sustainable and it's got to be something that yeah. happens over a long period of time, yeah. right? So I guess what the aim should be is to try to create sustainable change or something that's sustainable in its, in its structure. Mm-hmm. And all those things kind of interplay with each other in such a way that it makes one one not being reached to its full potential really impacts the others. And there is a balance and there is it's it's a delicate balance. Mm-hmm. But I think there's so much and this is true in the psychology world, there's so much and we we're just speaking about this earlier, there's so much of this one is really struggling, I really gotta wrench it back and I really wanna get it back. So let's just say for example, my you know, my, I'm just emotionally just dysregulated, right? Just, I'm just struggling to control my emotions on a day-to-day basis. Traditional kind of psychology in this way goes, we need to get you back into, into that sort of sweet spot. Yeah. And what it does, I think it kind of, number one, it, it reduces your, your self-efficacy. You don't feel like you're in charge of something. I think that's really important as well. And if you don't feel like you're in charge of something, then you're always kind of going to be seeking things externally and it creates a very very maladaptive like power imbalance yeah. where you might be going only to see this person because they're the person that helps you with this type of thing there's so many of these aspects that you can actually impact the same way that when one thing is bad everything is bad i think there's it's the reverse is true like if one thing starts to flip flip you know the the narrative everything kind of gets better and i think there's so much emphasis based on you know um yeah, I think I think the emphasis is just shifted. It's in the wrong direction. I think you need a, you need a, as an individual living in this kind of system that you have different things that people around you, different institutions and stuff. Yeah, I think you need to position yourself in a place where there are things that you can actively control. There are things that they're not in your control, but there's things that you can actively control, and you should use that to try to shift that tide over and create a net positive amongst all those different things. I think that's where my perspective comes from. Is you know, we spoke about this a lot. We even spoke about food, for example. Yeah. Something as simple as food, like, you know, bar anything kind of, you know, something, a disease or something, or if you and yourself, maybe you don't have the capacity to get good food, but getting good food is something that's so simple and changes just how you feel, it changes everything. But if that's the one thing that kind of shifts the tide across, then yeah. that's one thing you can't control. Yeah. Um, so interesting because I, I was speaking to you the other day about this, this video that I watched about two guys... Um, one ate healthy for seven days and one ate all junk food for seven days. Yeah, and the yeah. difference in like their their mentality and their energy levels and all that sort of stuff from something just as simple as food, it, it was crazy. Like yeah. there was this one guy who normally was this vibrant, um, like really sort of um, aware or like alert kind of guy and he just went downhill because yeah. he ate this terrible diet. And it just shows like, you, you, you think about like a car, it's like you know, if you put diesel in a petrol car, it's not going to work, is it? It's so it's like... Um, or if you put the, the wrong stuff in it, it, it might work a, 
okay, but it's in terms of the capacity, like you know, you might only be working at twenty percent of your actual capacity. And this goes back to that thing you said about in the short term, yeah, yeah. Like if you have some going at home, you you can have a great game on Saturday. Yeah. But if you want to create like a sustainable, so if you want to have a good season, stuff at home is going to impact you on the field as well. So like diesel, put diesel and petrol, it might go a little bit, but it's not going to go, you know, rain, hail, shine, you know, three, six, five days a year. So it's, I think it's, it's gone back to the idea of being. Being trying to create sustainable change and something as simple as nutrition is just an example for example like you know nutrition is just an example of something that you mm. can impact um, I've been experimenting with energy control and how I manipulate my levels of energy throughout the day to help I I have a lot of issues in terms of controlling you know, anxiety I, I, I have a lot obviously I'm, I'm working and I'm studying and I play football and stuff like that so it's you can get you can get quite a lot and managing that is is a challenge um, but what I've been doing recently is just trying to, you know, modulate my energy. Cause I, you know, if, if I know for me, for example, and this is just from my own self-awareness is if I have a lot of energy, I tend to be more anxious. You know, like the anxiety for me is feeds off of whatever energy that I have available there. So if I really deprive my anxiety of, of energy, if I do a lot of stuff throughout the day, get up early, go for runs, you know, you know, uh, exercise my brain. If I do a lot of things, then my anxiety doesn't really have a chance to latch on to something. Whereas if I'm super idle, mine is hanging out, and I've got a quiet day or something before my anxiety just kicks in because it's got so much to sort of work with. But that's something simple. That, that's the sort of thing I'm talking about, about things you can modulate to try to shift it. So, so how do you do that? Is it, is it the type of thing like you know that, all right, in the mornings you have more energy, so you do something more in the mornings, or is it just based on how you're feeling at that time? Um... I'm still experimenting with this. It's it's um it's it's a bit of a tango. So I find that if I overcorrect and I'm too overtired, I don't have enough energy, I get anxious as well. Yeah. So <laughs> it's not really like a cut and dry thing. So I need to find this kind of middle period. If I if I find myself and I think it, the hard part is is that you have a day and you feel like yeah you know what that was a productive day it was a good day it wasn't so anxious or you know and you start thinking oh, what did I do how was it you know I try to use that as an example and you try to sort of copy paste you know do another iteration of the experiment it doesn't work every time but I think what I'm coming close to understanding is that I need to I, I map things out on a two to three day cycle that kind of is where it works for me kind of like half a week and I can kind of, if I plan out what it looks like for me for the next two or three days, I see where there's potential for me to kind of go a little bit off the rails in terms of my anxiety. Oh, I've got a really big assignment coming up or I need to have these kind of meetings at work. Yeah. And these are the areas that I can see for while I'm going to be anxious there. What can I do around those areas to try to mitigate that? Or I can see in the next two or three day cycle that I'm going to be a bit overtired. And that's another example of maybe where anxiety can come in so yeah. I need to reverse it so like energy control I think it's like uh, is um, the analogy like a thermostat you know what I mean like yeah. I'm trying to get back into that middle period so yeah that's something that would speak about like practical things that you can kind of do to shift you know like your 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 well-being in general you have all these different things um, you know it extends to even seeing people you know like I'm an introvert by nature but I know sometimes why looking at my week it's I'm going to maybe need a little bit of mum or dad I'm going to be a little bit of you know this this mate or, or that person yeah. to try to pull me back into balance it's all come from a place of like being really self-aware yeah. which is which everyone's not there and you kind of need to do a little bit of graft to get there but I think there's there's huge scope for 
for people trying to get actionable, practical things to try to shift that new because I think there's a mentality and we were just speaking about this earlier there's a mentality of things that are outside of my control mm. um, there is a mentality that you need a fix all or a cure all which is, is the case you know if you're really really struggling and you need something to just get you, you know, in that bed or something like that yeah there's a case for that but in general most people have this mentality it's not really warranted it's not really based on anything so what I'm trying to do, I think, in, in my own kind of personal practice as well as kind of like my, my professional personal and professional and um, research work is what can what can you do practically to swing things kind of yeah more in your favor. Yeah, I think energy control is something that I've it's something that I'm going to continue to work with because it's something that I've become more more aware of lately, um, and it's something that I think can really help people. Um, and in my own practice, even just trying to experiment with it and, and see yeah. how it helps me could be something, but just another thing that you can control and, you know, it swings everything in your favor, so. Yeah, for sure. And no, the, the concept you sort of talk about to us, we, we put a huge emphasis on um, regeneration. Yeah. So being an, an early step in that intervention process so that it's like, if, you, if you've reached a, an emotional peak, um, then now is now is not time to bombard you with new information new skills like you know all of this kind of what might be considered work it's the time to sort of actually pause stop reflect Mm. like just kind of get grounded again like to be able to feel that sense of um settled within your nervous system and then once you get that there's there's a broader kind of view you can take of things isn't there where you can start to go okay well this is where i am like I either accept that or I don't. This is what's available to me and this is where my opportunities might lie to be able to then um, move forward in a, in a more balanced way in a way that serves me rather than you know diminishing myself again. So you talked earlier about that net effect and that's something we use regularly because oftentimes people are, they, they're really attached to all the good stuff they do mm-hmm. and it's like, I, but I, I do this, I eat well or I get up early and I get enough sleep and it's like, and, and that's great. Like you, you should absolutely celebrate that and reward yourself for it, but have some awareness. You talked about self-awareness as well of what else is influencing that situation. So if we're nourishing ourselves, then that's great that, you, that you're that you eating well and you're sleeping well. But, mm. you know, if you haven't you know been drinking enough, like, you know, good quality clean water throughout the day, well, then you're going to be dehydrated. That's going to have an impact yeah. on your system. If you're not removing... Um, toxic sort of influences in your life whether they be chemical whether they be people whether they be you know something else you have to rebalance things in a way that you can nourish calm things down to then be able to push forward and I think that plays to what you're saying about right like in terms of that two-way flow like if if you're only addressing one aspect of of the stress in your life then we're going to go through this boom bust cycle over and over again because we go oh yeah cause quick solution cause quick solution and it's like a freaking yo-yo because you haven't adapted uh there you go playing words the adaptability movement um but you haven't adapted to the situation Mm. all you've done is looked for the quickest way to stop the flow so that you can then you know bucket out a few liters of water out of the the the, the leaky boat rather than actually like thinking okay what's what's the foundation to what's the structure of this craft how do i create something which sustainably makes me um, you know, better equipped to be able to deal with the environment that I'm in. Yeah, I think I think that's I think it, that last that last little bit you said about being sustainable. I think that's kind of what it's all about. I think there is 
I'm, I'm not going to say there's no there's no room for quick fixes. I think there is. If you're really, really, really struggling and you just need something to, to get you back, you know what I mean? You need to bail you out. That's yeah. fine. There's something scope for that. But I think the context that we're talking about, you're trying to create sustain. You're trying to create sustainable change over a long period of time. I'm talking about years here. So I think I think that's good to maybe have that that different perspective of what is sustainable, what what sort of impact can I have that's sustainable, and what isn't. And I think starting from that position of being really grounded starts with a little bit of like self-awareness and that's 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 a difficult journey for people to go yeah. on because it means that you have to acknowledge you know your shortcomings you have to really rely on other people around you to, to give you to give you a different perspective and it's, it's a difficult kind of journey to go on um and it's 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 got huge benefits because you can really see things in a different level um personally and then also changes the lens at which you see the world um how do, how do you I guess for someone who's listening and, and has no idea how to start that, like what's what's the first step that you can take in order to start becoming more self-aware? Can, well, can I even go one step back before that? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. But like absolutely valid question. But if you haven't got self-awareness, like maybe let's give an example of someone in that situation because you might not even know it's you. Right, so you might think that you know, yeah, right. <laughs> so <laughs> you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, e- yeah, exactly. So like we're we're talking about that person who, um, and and there's a risk that I might offend some people here, and and like at the risk of saying so be it. Like my my intention is actually to to help develop more awareness and help develop more well being and, and meaningfulness in your life. Right. So I'm thinking of that person that is like. You know, they go to their nine to five or they go to their job, which they're not super satisfied about, right? You know, every time they get to the weekend, it's relief. Every time they get to sort of Sunday afternoon, they're like, oh no, I've only got a few hours left of freedom before I return to... Sunday scaries. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, And so they're the sort of person that's like, you know what, like, I I could go to early or go to bed earlier. I could like, you know, fold up the washing and put it away and and be more prepared for the week. The sustainable thing, Mm. the sustainable habit, which buys me more capacity throughout the week. But actually, maybe I'll just go catch those other three episodes of The Office or yeah. something else, right? And and yeah, okay, yes, you you technically switched off, like you removed yourself from your current environment in a way that gave you a chop out, like, but it's like sustainable. it's not sustainable, and mm-hmm. and it's not really nourishing. It, it's it's a distraction, much the same way as pulling out your phone and scrolling through social media, and we hear this over and over again, and. And people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone gets it. Intuitively, we know that this isn't good for us, right? Yeah. But we do it anyway. Mm-hmm. So why do we do it? Because we're actually, I, my personal opinion is we're so fearful of being with ourselves, of actually pulling back from the situation we're in, because then we have to then confront some of this stuff you're talking about. And, it, and I think people haven't even tried. They've just gone, I'm not ready for that. And so... Intuitively, no, we need to get there eventually yeah, 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 to, yeah. To, to feel balance and, and well-being in our life, but we're delaying it and we're distracting ourselves to push on the same path we're on, which isn't actually satisfying us. So now, hopefully, some people are resonated with, with that situation. Yeah. I'm talking about people, you know, it could be Netflix, it could be social media, yeah. it could Everyone's be coffee, advice. it could Everyone's be... Yeah. Correct, right? So then, you know, if you're listening to this and you're feeling like, oh, that might be me, I'm not sure if I want to go there or not, you know, pause it if you need to, come back to it. But we're about to talk more about how we can start introducing that in a way that doesn't feel as overwhelming. And, um, you know, we're, we're trying to stop suppressing it mm. and start to go, how can we just let off the pressure valve a little bit? How can we create a little bit more calmness? Bit, yeah. Right. Yeah, I think, so I'm not, 
I'm not an, an authority on this by any means, and and uh, I research in this area and stuff, but it's not. I'm nowhere near the level to be able to prescribe anything. I guess all I can say to, to kind of your first question, Ben, is I can only speak from my experience yep. about what what helped me getting self-aware. And I think a couple of things I think that, and I, I appreciate uh, what you said, um, Dan, because it's like it, it's it looks different for different people, and it, it does different. It, it fits a whole a different whole for every different person you know what I mean so it's just very context dependent it's very individual my journey with self-awareness and that's all I can kind of speak to is is I've had a lot of really good people kind of in my corner that have jarred me back into um into into coherence basically I think I was just this week actually literally just this week I had a experience where I thought um I give you the context it was I was um it was a friend of mine and, and they felt like they were disrespected in the friendship and I was had no awareness that my interaction with this person made them feel that way. Yeah. And that's just a perfect example of, uh, although I'm coming from, from a posture that I, I do want to get better and I, and I do want to improve in this area of my life, which kind of helps me see these things. But this person really threw me back into, into reality and said, like, you, you, you think you're being a good friend, but you're, you're actually not it's difficult and it's a tough thing to, to, to kind of get your head around. I, how do you start that self-awareness journey? I think what I, I benefited from in my self-awareness journey was, you know, talk about being willing and being able. I wasn't able to be self-aware at the start, but I was willing. And that kind of got me across the line yeah. until I built my capacity to be self-aware. I really wanted to improve that part of my life I feel like there was value there um, and I think this comes back to kind of I don't want to sound theoretical but behaviour change models you know a lot of them are based on the person understanding that there's value in changing their behaviour mm. so if you talk about something like self-awareness and how do I become self-aware someone that's struggling with becoming self-aware I guess you really got to go back to do they even understand that it's a thing that is positive for yeah, them yeah, do they yeah. do they comprehend that this is something yeah. that is beneficial for them I did and I think that that opened up that kind of journey that started that journey. I was, I was, I really wanted to be better communicator. I wanted to be better in relationships and I wanted to be better in my work professionally and, and in my research and things like that. I really wanted to do that. And I knew that self-awareness is a huge step in that direction. I didn't have the skills at the start, developed the skills along the way, but I had the will at the start to really want to be better. And um, I think that's, that's probably the thing that underpins like, yeah, everyone's self-awareness journey. They want to have, they want to do it because it's difficult, man. Like, it's not great being told by a friend that, that you respect that you're not really contributing to this friendship the same way that the, the the way that I need to be. And it's not nice. It's yeah. not nice. It's not nice to hear that. Um, and it kind of puts you in this very very primitive and tribal feeling of kind of being like out of the group and and something's been taken away from me. And we spoke we was talking about the day about scarcity mindset. Um, in a way, it kind of develops that because yeah, yeah you, something's taken away from you. If this person says, I don't want to be your friend anymore because you're not a good friend, you think, oh no, like, it really kind of triggers something. And yeah. That's not easy. And I think a lot of the self-awareness journey, you know, once you do open up and say, well, I'm, I'm willing to be self-aware and you start that journey, the first step, you're going to get punched in the face because you're going to really sort of come up against things that you, maybe you knew somewhere deep down subconsciously that was it was a shortcoming, but... It's being brought right up to the surface and you have to really like face it head on. And yeah. I think starting with that posture of being open to it, 
allows those blows to kind of hit a little, or to, 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 to lose their impact a little bit. But they're still, it still sucks, man. Like, I think that's, <laughs> it still sucks, yeah. It's, yeah. Everyone has kind of had this journey, and yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't know you guys' perspective, but yeah. I, everyone's journey is individual. I don't yeah. use the word journey because it's kind of like overplayed a little bit, but yeah. when you realise that there is a shortcoming and, and, and you have to go kind of through the process of, of number one, you've got to identify it, and then you have to go on the journey to try to fix it. It's not nice, man. It really, it really isn't nice. Like it's great to get the products out of it, where you come out of it with that self awareness, and you come out of it with more skills and stuff that's going to feed into the system and give you more self awareness. It's great that part of it. During it, it's difficult, man. Well, with um, like ourselves within our business and and everything, and I guess our friendship, we've we've done that many times, and then whether it's through something like a SWOT analysis or um, just even just just conversations with each other, it. it there is times where we've gone like, no, like that you're not doing what you're, you said you're doing or, um, or even just, just, um, brought something up that, that has been a bit of an issue because, and again, it's not, not it's not nice for, for the person who's bringing it up. It's not nice for the person who's, who's, who's surging anxiety for me. Yeah. Raises up to but in the end, in the end, it's going to be better for the relationship and for us individually to, to talk about that because if you just sit there and, and sit on it or um, like, like your friend um, if, if he just he or her, she or whoever it was just sat on it um, and never said anything then it could get to the point where it becomes a toxic relationship because exactly. he, he, he's got this idea in his head and you've got this idea in your head and then they don't, don't match up so you got to again like, it comes down to communication like communication is a huge thing it's something that we talk about all the time between ourselves between um, people we work with um and between between like everyone in our life it's because we all see the world in a different way yeah. and yeah. if if I see there's something in one way you Dan see something one way you see something yeah. another way we could have three different perspectives and then but we could kind of be trying to think like why why, why isn't Cliff thinking the same way like he's not doing this and, and we had we had a similar thing where and um, when we were running workshops, um, Dan likes to do things a certain way. I like to do things a certain way. And there was this disconnect that we didn't understand each other's way of doing things properly. And therefore, Dan was going, oh, Ben's not doing what I want. And I was going, oh, Dan's not like doing what I want. And, and then it kind of just didn't work. And then um, a mentor that we have kind of shattered, from us, <laughs> shattered the glass and, we went and told us like, oh, Ben likes to do things this way. Dan, you like to do things this way. You, you kind of got to meet in the middle somewhere so that then... It's kind of a like I, I was a bit so, more process driven. Dan was a bit more like, um, yeah, and, and, and go with the flow. And, yeah, and, yeah, and it, stuff, yeah, yeah, it was more. He was more content with um, sort of reading the room and, and understanding mm-hmm. what's going on and, and, and going with the flow of that. Where where I'm a bit more like, oh, I like to know what we're talking about, when we're talking about, who's talking about it, and all this sort of stuff. And and there's positive and negative to, to, to both of them, but um, I guess we got to find a, a way that works for both of us. Otherwise, it's, it's never going to work because we're always going to be clashing or resentful or anything like that. So. I, I, I read a, uh, earlier this week, I read a, an interesting kind of um, analysis of what a conflict is. You know, um, people say that conflict is in and of so that, that, that that sort of a way that conflict kind of manifests. But in, its, in a way, it's, it's a battle between two entities. One of them has to die for another one to kind of come up and take and take the the fall and i think where conflict resolution and stuff is really difficult for some people is that they don't want to let that thing die yeah and, yeah. and, it, and it kind of rings 
And I think, you know, just thinking in my head now, like the, the connection between that instance there and, and internally, it's kind of a, it's a similar battle because I think that sort of journey of self-awareness, when I, when I started, I had this really clear picture. I thought it was a clear picture of who I was as a person. Um, you know, the things that I value, my beliefs and how that all kind of interplays. And I think part of it, you talk about, first of all, you being willing, so you're coming with, with an open posture and that sort of entity that you have is faced with another entity, which is how someone else perceives you or the reality, or there's, there's a battle between kind of two things that's going on. Yeah. And a part of the self-awareness journey for me has been to be okay with one of them dying. You know what I mean? Like one of them kind of, it's a bit dramatic, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's one of them, it, they both can't coexist. That's why there's a conflict, you know what I mean? So I had to kind of wrap my head around this idea of in my self-awareness journey, I'm going to have to butt up against something where there's a limit of my knowledge, the extent of my knowledge. And out there is this unknown thing, unknown world that, that is kind of encroaching upon me. And for me to really develop and grow one of those things has to suffer and one of those things it's not a bad thing i think it's just the reality of it and i think that's it's that's kind of how i envisage yourself and that's why a lot of people are conflict avoidant because in and of themselves they have that idea that i don't like the the self-awareness dream doesn't even want to start because they know in that conflict then something's going to you know hit him in the face and be like bang you know deal with me deal with this yeah, now yeah. and no one wants to even start that journey <laughs> because they're afraid that one of those things is going to die and it could be something that they hold very true and yeah. you know it's it's but it becomes a block too like that becomes the thing that pre- prevents your progress or, or moving beyond that current like experience of dissatisfaction in your life if you allow that to to exist like I sort of um, hindrance when I yeah it's a hindrance like when I hear people talk about um, I don't like conflict I I, I hear I, I I'm not um, I'm not comfortable opening myself up to vulnerability and communication and I go if that if you're not willing to do that you you're you're delaying your journey like you're delaying your opportunity to grow conflict delays uh, conflict denied is conflict delays like right yeah. yeah something like that hey so like it's it's the whole premise of like, like I don't, I don't know a lot of people that actually enjoy that feeling of conflict or that feeling of discomfort in raising an issue like that, right? For me, I, I try and look beyond it. Like I probably wasn't always as good at this, but I guess as you as you grow a little bit wiser, as you or hopefully grow a bit wiser as you get through life, <laughs> um, you start to you come back to that worthwhile, right? So you go, okay, there's going to be a feeling of discomfort by doing this. Will that be worthwhile or not? It's same as the converse, whereas, okay, I'm going to avoid that discomfort. Will that be worthwhile or not? And for me, I'm always like, well, I'd, I'd rather know. Like, I'd, I'd rather address this now and have an opportunity to find out where I really stand with you or, or with you. And when, when you spoke about your friend in that way, I'm like, man, like, there's like this kind of like your um, the value rises for me. I go, oh, cool. That's awesome. Like, you've got someone that, that cares enough about you that is willing to share that with you rather than walk away. Mm. And then your value goes up because I go, well, you actually respect that. You're you're grateful for that because you know what that can mean for your relationship going forward. Mm. And like, just to give Ben a little bit of a pat on the back, but like, yeah, this is this is why I, I love doing what we do with um, together, like with the adaptability movement as, as just mates because like Ben is a very compassionate deliverer of feedback. Um, and it's, it's something that I try and do as well, but I just, I, I've said this to you before, but like I really value the energy you bring 
to a conversation because you're able to deliver something that is from a place of care about something that is important in a way that we can get, um, we can grow from it. And so while there might be a little bit of anxiety about, oh, geez, what did I do wrong? Or I haven't actually met Ben's needs or, or mm. delivered on my end of, of, of whatever it is that we're trying to do. Mm. I go, oh, I can't, like, I'm so grateful for Ben that he was willing to say that because it means that we can actually go to another level in whatever we're sort of trying to achieve together. Yeah, yes, yeah, I, I, it's, it's difficult. Yeah, it's yeah difficult. it is. Yeah, it's really difficult because you have to kind of let, you have to let something go. Yeah. And I think that's an interpersonal relationship like you guys have where it is a safe space, you're vulnerable, you can do these sort of things and you have a lot of contact and yeah. you can develop that. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't make it any, it, it makes it easier, the process easier, but the effect is still tough, man, when you have to... Yeah. When you have to kind of go through that, it can still feel like a threat. Yeah, You're trying to make space for that. Yeah, and yeah. and not take it personally to go. There's Ben, there's me, and then there's our relationship. Mm. And so if we're only getting our own needs met, it's going to be constant to and fro. It's going to be conditional, right? Whereas if we go, there is value to this, and we want to protect that and invest in that, then we start to go. What is it that I need that could be communicated better to help this? Like, what is it that Ben might want? How can I understand him and his position better so that we can grow this? And I, I think when you start to think about it as there's like three entities in a, in a two-person yeah. relationship, yeah. then that, that can make things a little bit easier because it's not just about um, tit for tat. It's not like, oh, you took you know, two biscuits, so I got to get the other two biscuits, yeah. or I did the washing up, so you have to mop the floors. Like it becomes, well, we're investing in something greater together. We understand the value of that. So now we're willing to in invest in that whole idea of delayed gratification sometimes going, well, it might be my time to invest a little bit more into something than what Ben is. But knowing that like Ben's always willing and able, it's just right at the moment, there's something that's, that's intervening on that or there's something I could help him out with that it'll come back full circle, but it's not about being a, like keeping a ledger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's in a way you're kind of bargaining with, potential in a, in a way like okay. you, you're really saying or you know i feel like there's something here it's cooking up and it's good um this has to this has to kind of be put on the sideline for a while yeah. while i while i really go hunt this um yeah. not everyone sees that and it's no. difficult because like people obviously i think the idea behind conflicts and the idea behind that a little bit of a, of a struggle is that you're engaging with this conflict because you're aware that, or you have a belief that at the end of this, there's going to be something that's greater, right? Either I'm going to change, the situation's going to change, something's going to change for the benefit. And if you approach it like that, you can actually enter it in a, in a, in a different context. But if you don't see that, if you don't see that, or, you know, if, if I don't see that there's something good here that's happening, yeah. it's going to be hard for me to really engage yeah. in a conflict. Yeah. Yeah. And I think conflict has got a negative connotation, but <clears> really all it is, is it's a tussle. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's an exchanging of ideas. It's, there's a, there's a, a little bit of pressure and friction because you're trying to grow and expand that sort of boundary of knowledge and experience yeah. that you have. You have to kind of forego the comfortability now for something that is great and you have no guarantee. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's, that's a reality of the situation. You can't predict the future. Yeah. And it's often not until later on that, you, you know, you might get some feedback or something initially and you could take offense to it or you could like feel hurt by it or initially you're like, oh, what? Like, what, why did they say that? And then it's a week or two or a day or something later and you go, 
all right, I can see what they're doing. They're actually just trying to make me better by giving me this. And, and yeah, it was uncomfortable and I didn't want to hear it and it bruised my ego a little bit. Yeah. But ultimately, it's going to make me a better person because of how I respond to it. And it's it's that whole thing of like, we, we control our own uh, actions and our own responses to things. Like you, you can either, if someone cuts you off in traffic, you can either blow up at them and go, oh, what are they doing? Like, oh, and get angry and let it ruin the rest of your day. Yeah. Or you can go, Oh geez, that person's going going really fast and they've cut me off. They must be in a hurry. Like, yeah, I hope they have a good day. Like, and then it's just like it's, there's two different ways you can respond to them. And, and someone might constantly let little things ruin their day by by just harping on it and responding negatively and stuff. Whereas, whereas other people, those people, you're like, this person's always positive. It's like, well, they just they just see something and they just respond to it in a way that's going to put them in a better space. And if they just let net things turn them into a negative headspace, so, so yeah. I, I'm learning a lot about, I'm learning a lot personally about managing feedback and mm-hmm. communication in a way. I come from a kind of mentality that you sh- if I have something difficult to say and I do say it in a way that maybe hits a little bit harsher than, than what someone else might, the reason I'm doing it that way is because I care about you enough to tell you this difficult yeah. news, right? But not everyone shares that same mentality. No, no. Someone does need a softer approach. Yeah. And I think for a lot of the times I was approaching, not necessarily feedback, but communication in general, tell someone the harsh truth and they'll respect you for that because they appreciate that you're not sugarcoating it. Mm. It's a cultural thing. It comes from a cultural background that I have and, and how you communicate in that kind of world. But, you know, it's that sort of do I look fat in this? Yes, you look fat. But, you know, someone doesn't <laughs> <Yeah>. necessarily... <laughs> someone someone can be okay with that, but that. someone might not be yeah. okay with that. And that's yeah. something that I've been trying to... <clears throat> to realize is is yeah emotions are they're just reactions to stimuli right but then there's, mm. there's a little pause and then there's what you do about that yeah. and i think you know someone cuts you off in traffic you can get a little bit angsty but then you go out of the car and grab your shoe and throw it at the car yeah. or like <laughs> do you pull the person out and start bashing them or no so there is a there is an action kind of point there is a point where things switch beyond a visceral reaction mm. to something that's more kind of calculated yeah and i think I'm starting to understand that is a difference. There's something in there that is not necessarily cut and dry. I think for me, understanding that people respond to things in different ways and how they perceive things. You know, I might say, for example, Ben, I really like. You know, I might say something really harsh to you. If if I was Dan in the situation, I'd say, I don't want to do it your way. I think your way is stupid. You know, but <laughs> to me, I'm thinking, oh, this person actually cares about me because they've gone out of their way to tell me something that is difficult. No one else is going to say this. Yeah, but this person's. But mm. that's not why everyone no absolutely yeah, I, could, I could and, take it the wrong way and be like yeah. oh stuff you I'm going to do this anyway like, yeah, yeah then yeah. I've hurt your feelings and I don't yeah. that was never my intention yeah, yeah. but language, language is powerful isn't it and this is where I talk about like compassionate communication yeah so it's like it's, it's tailoring it to your audience like so you know any one of the three of us like has probably grown into a space now where we appreciate the direct feedback mm. we still like it to be compassionate like please don't call it me or it's stupid like yeah. what we're talking about like just say that i don't think that's going to work yeah. right but like we we still kind of welcome it into it because we go awesome opportunity for growth awesome i can move beyond this current feeling yeah whereas someone else like it it just it needs to be gentler like it needs to be we're not we're not all accustomed to that we, it becomes a threat and if yeah. you're in this like threat model like or experience then it just becomes like this wound like that that has been inflicted upon you that someone else did to you, right? And when we get stuck in, in that, we become oppositional again. 
So when we, again, we talk about that third entity to a relationship, like that's the teamwork aspect. Mm. So if you're a team, you work together. If you're a team, you're on the same side. So then why on earth would you turn on each other? Because if, if you've allowed yourself to be vulnerable with each other, if you share stuff you don't use with anyone else, well then each of those people have a weapon to hurt you more than anyone else as well. Mm-hmm. Like the greatest damage can be done by your closest ally, not your greatest enemy. Of course. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then respecting that, because again, that, that grows more trust. It grows more um, you know, belief in what that is possible for that team and understanding that if we're under threat, we are, we are much better equipped to overcome it side by side, back to back, than we are going, right, you know, just grabbing the swords and charging on forward and then being like, I got someone hit me from behind. Was that Ben? And yeah. then attacking him, realizing there's a sniper over in the back of the bloody yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, hill. It, you know, that, that concept of like, you, know, you hear this in relationships, particularly in relationships, yeah. right? Like yeah, romantic ones. Yeah, yeah, romantic relationships. Like it's, you know, business is one thing, but like when you put that, that romantic emotion into it as well, like it can really hurt when someone says, like, yeah, you do look fat. Okay, I actually like you better in the green dress. Like, there's, there's different ways of delivering yeah. the same message, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's not about being dishonest. It's yeah. just about give, like giving feedback which is useful in a way that is that is well received. Yeah. Because we have different learning styles. We have different filters and and sort of. Um, You're a different person. Yeah, yeah right. A whole different experience of life. I think I think the um, <laughs> personally I'm learning this and, and I'm kind of being a bit more nuanced in my approach to things, um, which has helped me. In, in relationships especially but there is a third thing and and it does have there are conflicting interests um it, there's there's my interests there's your interests and then there's the best interest of the relationship yeah. and you kind of got to you got to kind of feed the greater good yeah and you know i think you have to reconcile what that looks like for you personally in in your own life and how that fits in is it are you compromising your values by doing something like that um how much you know what does that mean and i was talking to someone the other day about expectations and boundaries and um and you know that that feeling of betrayal that someone gets is because usually because a boundary's been overstepped and yeah. an expectation hasn't been met and i think that was something that was really like kind of wrong truth for me personally um and I, I think that's, it's important to kind of keep that in the front of mind is that someone's worst fear is that the expectation is not being met. So how can I approach this situation with very clear, concise boundaries and expectations for this other person to engage in that allows my interests to be protected, their interests to be protected, and then us to actually, you know, fish for this third thing and, and really like foster this third thing. Um, can, I, can I add a layer to that? Because like when we talk about that third thing like the greater good is something that still serves you yeah and this is what i think there's a misconception here sometimes we go greater good is like a one can be a one size fits all especially when you talk about a broader population yeah when you're talking about like a relationship of two people whether that be romantic or otherwise like it's about we we believe in this third entity because it serves us Mm. and therefore that compromise is is worthwhile yeah if we find there's a like an imbalance it's because it's not you know okay there's me ben then there's me and Ben and I's relationship. Yeah. If we find there's an imbalance there where actually it's not serving me because I've compromised too far, well, then there's either got to be a recalibration or a reassessment of, of the value of that relationship. And I think 
you know, but giving that a chance in the first place to understand properly rather than just walk away. Like how often do you hear someone go, oh, we just, we grew apart or we, or yeah. um, they changed. And it's like, well, we all change. Yeah. I think like if we're not changing, then like, what are we here for? Like, like yeah, a, yeah. you know, like we talk about, you know, when we're early in our journey, we weren't very self-aware and then we grew more self-awareness and added more value to our life. And so if we, if we weren't changing, there'd be nothing to stimulate us. There'd be nothing to move towards. You, you, you have to have that hope, for, uh, vision for something better. Mm. And so like, it's just being, being aware that it's not just, you're not having to give up everything just to get a need met. You're making compromises because it adds more value to your life. And it might not be immediate. Yeah. It might not be media. I think that's hard for people. Everyone talks about this day and age where you get things <laughs> instant gratification. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I don't think people kind of understand the concept that, you know, if you're in a romantic relationship, for example, and you really put time and effort into a relationship, it could serve you really, really well down the track. And you need to kind of believe that. You need, mm. to, put, you need to put your hope in that. Um, it might not serve you in the media. It might be tough in the immediate. But do you see how this can build and develop into a really strong relationship that adds a lot of value to you later? Yeah. after doing all this work step by step kind of goes back to the idea of self-awareness like yeah. if you're not if you don't want if, if you don't see value in being self-aware then there's not really any way you're not going to instigate that movement to go yeah. and actually seek yeah. it out and it's the same thing with relationship if you feel like this relationship isn't really going anywhere what chance am I to go and actually make meaningful change to try to improve this thing I don't really think it's going to be good anyway it so comes back to the willingness you were talking about right yeah. like because there has to be a willingness to invest in that from both parties yeah that that to me that is the fundamental like necessary thing that has to coexist if that doesn't coexist then mm. it just becomes this depletion on, on both ends of it because this person's needs are getting met because they're just expecting them to be met mm. and this people is feeling but so they're feeling drained but then this person's feeling drained because they're given everything they got they're trying to compensate for the lack of investment from that other person to be yeah. able to make, make that work so we come back to mutual benefit we talk about this a lot in the business don't we in terms of like whenever we bring a, a new relationship into the fold or we, we enter into a new relationship with um, someone that we're working with or connecting with there has to be and maybe I'll let you explain it but there has to be this this concept of mutual benefit which is yeah well, we always talk about the win-win-win and everything yeah. um, and it doesn't serve again a, a relationship whether there's um, however many parties in it but um, it doesn't serve a relationship if, if it's always one or two people that are or one or two things that are, are getting all the um, the benefits from it so mm-hmm. and you need to make sure that everything that you're doing is, is that win-win-win and that we're we're making sure that okay yes like um, like I'm getting what I need out of it like Dan's getting what he needs out of it and you're getting what you need out of it it's, 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 it's filling us all and filling our own our cups up um, individually and but then also helping as we said the greater good as well so um, yeah Just- it's it, it creates that circular economy. Yeah. yeah. So that flow of energy. So rather than there being, you come to me for a service, I deliver that service, you provide me payment for that service. Mm. We have a transaction. Yeah. And at the end of that transaction, we go our own ways. We, we lose that connection. Whereas if we go mutual benefit, you have a need and then I have a need to, to earn sustenance for that need that I'm helping meet for you. Mm. Well, then there's a flow. So it becomes a flow of energy rather than a flow of money or ego or time or whatever it is. And in every transaction, I think if you do approach like a transaction, someone is always getting more out of the deal yeah, than the other le- person. You're you know what I mean? So like, yeah. you, you know, it's if, if you do act, if, if you do kind of conduct yourself in a way that is very transactional, you're kind of admitting to the fact that 
either I'm getting swindled here or yeah. I'm getting more I'm out. Yeah, or I'm swindling <laughs> someone else because that's the only way this transaction can happen. Yeah, but if yeah. you, I like that kind of win-win-me mentality. I think it comes down to, and this is something that I've kind of experienced is that can only work when I feel like that can only work when the individual that you're working with or the group that you're working with or whatever has a very clear understanding of the things that they need out of it. Yeah. I think if you're entering a relationship, what like you say, for example, a business relationship, and you say, oh, this is what I can do, and this is what I can do, and you're like, okay, cool, this seems like it's, a, it's a, one of those win-win-wins, mm-hmm. and it continues, and the cycle keeps going. But then one person, because they didn't approach it with a clear understanding of what they needed, yeah. they don't feel like that thing is being met, but they didn't communicate that to you, so there's yeah. no way for you to know yeah. that. And then they develop resentment yeah. because they feel like they're getting swindled out yeah. of this thing. But then you're thinking, oh God, you come to the table, but you need to come up with a little bit of self-awareness yeah. to the table with yeah. what you need out of this. And then this can work. Yeah. But if you don't come to the table with this understanding yeah. and give me a blueprint of, of how we can help each other. Yeah. Um, and that, that extends, I was talking to, like, I think there's a huge benefit in conducting interpersonal relationships the same way that there's a lot of business relationships. I yeah. feel like there's, there's, there's a lot of benefit for that. And this is a little bit off topic, but kind of similar in a way is... If you have a business relationship with someone, you usually have some type of contingency plan, right? So let's say you're an investor and I've got a business. Say, this is my business model. This is how we're going to make a lot of money. And as an investor, or me, if I wasn't investing in anything, I'll say, all right, what is your contingency plan? What if step A doesn't work? And you go, oh, well, I've got this. So I've got this other option here that can also generate money. Okay, cool. What if that doesn't work? Oh, I've got this. Okay, cool. So if I'm investing in your business, I see that you've got A, B, C, and D. You've got contingency plans in case A doesn't work. Yeah. Brilliant. I think that's great. Now, I can sort of invest in this knowing that my money is well protected. Yeah. Et in interpersonal relationships, we never talk about thing, when things go bad. And I think it's, it's crazy because if I'm in a romantic relationship with someone, I think the conversation needs to be had. And I think there's a lot of value in having a conversation like, well, if one of us expectations or boundaries are overstepped, how are we going to deal with that? What is our, what is our plan B? C? You know, what is... What is our contingency? How do you want me to act in that relationship? You know, in business, we have laws and structures, ACCC, that controls kind of how we do stuff. But in, like, interpersonal romantic relationships, there's an understanding that someone at some point is going to really offend the other person. They're really going to... They're, they're not going to meet an expectation, for example. Why don't you ever talk about that instance happening from the start? Yeah. Wouldn't it be wise to be like, well, I'm going to enter in this relationship with you and I think this is great and I really want to see where this goes, but one of us is going to screw up here. It might be me, it might be you. How are we going to do with that when it happens? You know, do you want me, you know, do I need some time away? Are you willing to be able to give me a week to just go, a couple of days to just go and not speak to you for a while? Yeah. And then as a person, you're going to be like, well, yeah, I guess I have to be aware that <clears throat> that's going to happen because you don't, there's no mandated law like there is in business yeah. to say that if you don't reach this particular expectation, you're going to go fine. Isn't a relationship just like, well... But that's a good thing, right? Like, you get to write your own code. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, why wouldn't Set you your own want to prepare for that and invest in that? Like, and like I know, like, personally for me, like, I, I like to deal with stuff in that moment. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't let it hang around. Don't let it simmer for me. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, really confrontational. It just no. has to be like, what's our plan? Like, yeah. we're here. Like, let's let, let's be okay with that for now. Mm. And then what next? Mm. Whereas like like my, my partner, for example, like she needs time to process. And so for her, it might be time out. And so it's like that, that delicate balance of like, how can you give me a little bit of what I need to yeah. go, you know, basically to go, we're okay. It's going to be right. I just need some time. Yeah. It's like, it, it might not even be about me. Yeah. It's, I need five minutes or 15 minutes or half an hour to myself yeah. so that then I can come back to this with the energy that's going to help us 
create like a result or something, to, right? to move forward, to move yeah. forward. Yeah. And so if I hear that, what instead of feeling threat because yeah. something's not addressed and I'm feeling like it's my fault or there's a problem, yeah. I can go, okay, like that, like I'm, I'm okay now, I can settle. Like I know there's something to be dealt with, but there's an agreement, there's terms as to when we're going to come up back yeah. and address that. And in a way where I understand a bit more about it. So it's not this mystery now that says that I've you know, made me feel like I've done something really bad yeah. and I'm being punished emotionally via withdrawal of love. Mm. Because that's what it feels like to me. It feels like withdrawal of love. So we, we had to get those terms right. Yeah. And conversely, like I, I need to be conscious of Kim that she needs that. Like if, if I'm going to like push and push for a result, that's just going to add to her feeling of overwhelm. Yeah. And there's no way she's going to have that energy to be able to do that. Yeah. And it's, it's easy to go, oh, I wish that person was more like me, yeah. right? Because we all just go, it'd be so much easier if they just like held that same if, mindset or value or whatever. Yeah, if they want to sort it out, they want to sort it out now and I want to sort it out now, yeah. perfect. Happy days. But like, isn't the value in a relationship, the diversity, the things that you bring for, like, and you contribute towards each other that's different to what you could do for yourself? Isn't that where some of that value accumulates to say that, well, you know, yeah, okay, it could be easy to deal with that situation, mm. but you know what, like, if, if I'm in a state of overwhelm and Kim's able to offer me a sense of calmness or give me that space because she knows the value in that space and all those sort of things, yeah. then there's a different perspective, which I didn't hold myself, which then adds value to my experience as well. Great. And so yeah. then you start to go... You can value it and you can have gratitude for that mm. rather than resenting that it's not the way that you expected or would have liked it to be on first instinct. Yeah. yeah. I think if you even abstract that out to, for example, go back to that business relationship, I've got, you know, you provide a service and I've got this thing and I can't do it myself, but you can. So the best way to go about it is to create parameters where your needs are met and my needs are met in the business relationship. And you're going to expand my growth as a business and I'm going to expand your growth as a business. So if this is a relationship, for example, you say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to expand that ability to be a little bit more calm or I'm going to expand that ability for your partner now to be, maybe like need to expand that ability to be address things a little bit quicker. Yeah. And you kind of, you, your scope and your, your kind of boundary of impact is kind of growing a little bit because of the established relationship, that third thing that you've, yeah. you've, you've come across. But that's just one, that's a perfect example of like something that happens quite a lot in business and in other different types of relationships, but you don't really carry it across to, to relation to, to interpersonal romantic relationships, even like friends, for example, you can just say, Hey, look, mate, I love you as, I love you as friends, but I need, I need a phone call this once a week just to check yeah. up on me. And, and I expect the same from you. Someone goes, Oh, okay. Can we make it twice a week? You know, I'm a little bit more needy than you want to go. Okay. Well, how about I call you and then we text during the week, you know, and, and, yeah. In that way, you feel like your needs are being met. The other person is kind of compromising. So you're expanding your boundary mm. of maybe I don't get that two phone calls, but I get a phone call and a couple of texts. And this is a weird example, but it yeah. kind of... It, 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 yeah. it, it is, but it's not really. Because again, like as you said, like with your, with your story earlier about your, your friend, like we don't set those those boundaries or those expectations yeah. of relationships. And, and it's like, oh, well, I'll, I'll like to call every day whereas this person doesn't like to call every day they like to call they don't like to call at all yeah so it's like as you said how can we like meet in the middle with somewhere so that both of us getting what we need and therefore it's not like building that resentment and that give and take and stuff it's it's like i'm not, I'm not having to compromise and sit on the phone every day going oh just shut up i don't want to talk on the phone anymore yeah. it's like oh well i know that we've agreed on we'll talk 
every second day or something, and, and that's how it will work, I think. So. It, to circle back, it's kind of a good advertisement to be self-aware, because yeah. if you're trying to sell someone self-awareness and someone's really struggling, oh, I don't really feel like I need to do the work. Everyone says, do the work, do the work. Someone says, I don't really feel like I need to do the work. You go, all right, cool, this is an advertisement for it. If you do the work, those relationships right now that you're feeling like you're a little bit one foot in, one foot out, yeah. those are all going to get better. Because when you approach these relationships, you've done the self-awareness work, you're going to approach it with clear expectations and boundaries that someone else can adhere to. So it's a great advertisement. You go, oh, you know what? If I'm having shitty relationships, maybe it does benefit me to be self-aware. Because then when every time, every subsequent relationship that I'll enter into, yeah. I'll have a good understanding of what my needs are being met. Because right now I'm kind of wishy-washy and I don't really have expectations, it's easy for me to get offended. Because I've got an expectation that's not being communicated and that person has no idea of that expectation. And I feel like I'm being, you know, kind of, not betrayed, but like you feel like you're not getting the best out of these things. Yeah. Perfect. Do some self-awareness work. Try to figure out what your needs are, where they're being met, where they're not being met. And then the next time you approach that relationship, maybe it's going to be better. You know what I mean? I think that people don't see, I was talking about this earlier, people don't see the linearity of, of the work. People see like it's, oh, it's, it kind of meanders, like a kind of river type thing. But it's like, well, yeah, it does. Because it's not like, there is a little bit of linearity in the sense that if you know this about yourself and it's a really well-developed and really well-thought-out kind of concept that you've, you've really worked a, a lot on, it's going to benefit you more in the future. Mm. That's not very clear to some people. But what we've spoken about today is a great understanding, the business relationship. That self-awareness comes in and you can approach someone and say, these expectations, can you meet them or not? Yeah. Or where can we compromise? Yeah. Yeah. And if it is a romantic yeah. one, it's yeah. a good advertisement to say, well, you're going to become a better person out of it. You're going to get a better relationship. You're going to get a partner for life. Yeah. You're going to... Da, 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 da. Great. Can you, yeah. you know, do the work? I'm going to go away and talk to all my friends and then <laughs> develop better relationships now. So yeah. set, set those expectations a bit more. So that's great. So there's an interesting like part of this. Like we, we obviously run um, men's work within the business as well. So it's not just the organizational stuff where it's very mixed gender. It's, um, it's about, um, you know, men being with men in an environment where um, they can speak openly around other males. Yeah. So, you know, oftentimes, you know, we might be more comfortable, you know, speaking to a female, either a partner or a mother or something like that, but we're not prepared to show that same vulnerability next to another male because mm. we feel that is a, a sign of weakness. Huge issue, right? And what we what we found is that we, we almost need to do a focus group of the women of the men that, that could benefit most <laughs> from this, right? Because the people... People have this this idea of of what men's work is, mm. and they, they there's this aversion to it because it says, "Well, that's not me. That's for someone that's um, that's softer, um, not as masculine. Um, they're maybe a bit hippie, yeah. or it, it could be any of those terms, yeah. right? Like you can pick any any label you want, yeah. but really, it's a, it's an aversion to self awareness. Yeah. It's, it's an aversion to connecting and to being more open emotionally." And I, I don't mean you have to go on a deep dive and, and address your greatest fears and yeah. whatever, but just to be open and available for, to converse, to yeah. communicate like in, a, in an authentic way. And the, you know, the, the thing, and we're still trying to work this out because we've, we've been through that journey. And so we, we actually invite that into our lives. So mm. we want more of that. And we're trying to create, and, and I feel like we have created a really good environment for people to come into for the first time which is a really low threat model. Like, yep. you know, we talked about Ben's energy before and we, we, we do this together, but we just try to make it somewhere that feels, you feel safe, you feel yeah. welcome, you feel like you, you belong. It doesn't feel hard. Mm. You, you're not talking with a, a weight or a heaviness. You're just interacting with, with other guys. 
and in a way which then develops more trust and develops more open communication, but we're not slamming it down your throat, yeah. right? So then how, what, what would your advice be for someone that's sitting on that precipice and, and you know, maybe it's that they're, they're in a relationship with it romantically, maybe they have kids or they, or they don't, um, but there's this feeling of dissatisfaction or there's this communication from their partner that I just don't feel like you're there. I don't feel like you're present or that you're being um, open with me or, or you're sharing what's mm-hmm. really, really bothering you. And it's creating this disconnect, this separation of their, their team, yeah. like their, their partnership. Like what, what advice could you give someone in that situation? Obviously, I always preface by saying I'm not, I'm not an expert on this thing. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna speak about my experience. Well, that's not a perspective. Yeah, perspective. I think, I think it comes around that mentality. You said something there, you know, like men approach this type of work, like, oh, it's soft or it's this or it's that. I think what, what, what I, everyone's concept of a man obviously is different and it's based on a lot of different things culturally, you know, your values and your beliefs all that sort of stuff. But I think there's a universal understanding that a man is someone, and this sort of comes from this, you know, anthropological sense of things. Like a man is someone that goes out and does a hard thing, they hunt and they come back and they bring the, the kind of the, 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 the spoils, you know, everyone kind of shares in the spoils. But this concept of men are, thing, are, are people that go through hardships for the benefit of a lot more people, right? It's the idea that you provide for the community, you provide for your family, right? I kind of, I, I translate that more to, so in my self-awareness journey, the easy thing to do is to be not self-aware, right? Everyone thinks, you know, to be self-aware, you have to come up against a lot of different obstacles personally as well but you have to come up with a lot of different obstacles being told sometimes that you're you know this is where you fall short you know if, if it is interpersonal relationship it's hard to hear that imagine a romantic partner telling you like i'm not happy in this that's not that's not a nice thing to hear and that is a hardship that you have to face for me i translate that men going through hardship and then sharing the spoils mentality to this well if being more self-aware is something that is hard it's harder to do but it, I can share the spoils with the people around me, then that's the more manly thing to do, right? That's the way that I, that's the way that I kind of approach things. Um, I, think, I think it's a values-based thing as well. Like, that's something that I really value. And I think, I think your question is, how does someone that's maybe on the edge of, of you know, wanting to see sustainable change in their relationships or in, in their business or whatever, I don't have all the answers, but I think it's a values-based thing for me. I really value that work that I do in helping everyone around me, right? If, if I'm better adjusted in myself, then everyone benefits, all my relationships are better, my my professional work is better, everything kind of flourishes from that. And if, not, if you don't believe that, I guess, you, I guess you're always kind of, you know, you're flogging a dead horse yeah. in a sense. I think there is enough there, there's enough evidence to show people, to explain to people that there is value in this. Um, and in a way, I think the men's work that you have to do first and foremost is to try to just convince people that it's valuable, yeah. right? Like that's the hardest part, and you guys know it is. <laughs> and I think this is a this is a this is a big challenge. I think for someone, especially someone that's kind of like entering academia as well, it's like you do all this stuff and you have all this great knowledge, but how do you disseminate this knowledge in a way that kind of yeah. hits that hits home? And I think that's a challenge that a lot of people yeah. have. Like great communicators, are the people that can transfer ideas in a way that that hits the same for me as it does for you, right? Yeah. And the gravity of the idea is felt as well. Yeah. 
Men, the men's the men's thing is is really tricky for me because it's so deeply rooted in obviously this sort of anthropological view yeah. of what a man is like, but then there's also layers of culture that, that kind of you know yeah. layer up on top of it. I'm I'm pretty happy that this kind of uh, this this concept is is changing a little bit. I come from a traditional African background, and African men uh, are very traditional in the sense of they just provide they they they're historically very emotionally distant. Um, this is not you know case for everyone, but I'm just saying historically there's this idea of being distant and just providing for your kids and kind of doing the hard work, then everyone can kind of you know be happy and healthy. And I think that I'm I'm really happy with the culture that we have at the moment, especially here in Australia, which is a pretty progressive society. Is that like that idea of a man is being shifted away from that traditional yeah. norm into something that's a little bit more nuanced, right? A man is someone that can have a difficult conversation. Um, a man is someone that deals with adversity well. A man is someone that, you know, and and, and then it could be whatever you want, yeah. like however you shape it, but I'm happy that, that it, it's shifting. I think it's a values-based thing that's going to essentially get someone across the line. Um, and I, I guess, I don't know how, I don't know how you guys can tap in because I feel like a man talking to a man, uh, I don't know, what's your perspective? Do you think it, it's different from a man talking to a man? Like, say, for example, your mate tells you something or if your missus tells you something or if your partner, I should say, because it might be same sex or whatever. But which one do you think hits a little bit? I still think it depends on the, mm. on the, the context, how evolved that relationship is. Mm. Like, because if, if let's say, like, we have a relationship which is just, um, it's very um, career orientated, right? right? So it's like we, we come in, we contribute on different things, we collaborate together, but we never really talk about personal things like yeah, don't that, right yeah. uh, as opposed to a personal relationship like a, a romantic relationship where there's going to be it's going to be more heavily weighted in that mm. area so mm. I mean the, the way I um, think of it is kind of like you almost need to help someone you, you talked about values you help you need to work out what they are with someone because not everyone knows what they are yeah. right so if you're providing for something you're, you're, you're yes you're providing because you believe that's your role but you wouldn't provide for someone that you didn't care about at all Yeah. so then you bring them back from that that concept of what providing is and the reason why they're providing, which is because I care about my family, because I love my kids, I love my wife, right? It's okay, but how is your relationship with your kids and wife? Not great. I don't get time. I'm, I'm you know, work late. I get yeah. up early. You know, um, wife feels like she's always like resentful when I get home. I don't get a kiss at the door. It's, you know, and it's like, how would life be different if if you had those things? If if you had a great relationship with your, with your children where they they were able to come to you and share things about stuff rather than high stuff from you. Mm-hmm. If your wife was, um, you know, comfortable expressing her needs in a compassionate way so that you felt like you could be more effective with the energy that you give to her yeah. to grow a better relationship. Because most, most people, I think, would be open to that idea of going, yeah, that, that is what I want. Yeah. It's like, okay, so we've gone from this is what I feel like I have to do. Yeah. Is it getting me a result for what I now realize is what I want? No. And, and what does it mean? It means I carry resentment towards that because I'm actually not being fed with the thing that I really care about and really need. Yeah. So that, that sort of, that value or values in your life. It's, it's, it's an exercise in trying to get that person to realize what their value is. Yeah. And then the different vehicles to, to try to transmit that value. I think pro, yeah. people, what people really, I guess what provision is, and you think about it anthropologically, is that someone's going to go out into the wilderness and risk their life to provide you guys with sustenance, right? That's the sort of conditional you know, caveman type of, of, of view of things, right? 
But essentially what that is, if you really abstract it out, is I'm risking my life or I'm I'm foregoing hardship and something that's really dangerous to try to provide for you and your family because I care about your well-being, right? So I think when you kind of go towards now that sort of more modern interpretation is providing is just a vehicle for to, for you to show the, the value of care that you care what your 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 family or your partner or whatever how they're doing their well being. There's different vehicles to show that care. Providing is one vehicle, but there's another vehicle. There's, there's tons of other vehicles. If you try to distill that down into that idea of I'm, I'm doing this because I care, you know, maybe you get people across the line. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think there's probably a scope there to get partners on board and say, have you communicated to your husband how you'd want to be treated? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? What is it like? And I guess this really starts from the start of you. You probably should start at the start of your relationship when you're trying to figure out what your lifestyle is going to look like. You know what I mean, and that's yeah. that's a, that's a, that's something you need to you need to do early. I'm not saying I'm not sure how to approach it in the now and when things are developed. It's, but it's that whole concept of like when's the best time to plant a tree? Twenty years ago, yeah. When's the next best time? Now, now. yeah. You, you can't, well, my current understanding is you can't go back in time, but, <laughs> but maybe I'm wrong. Um, but you know, like we we can live in that life of regret, mm. or we can go. What is available to me right now? How can I adapt to this situation to find an opportunity? or to find more value or more, you know, um, satisfaction in life. So it really comes down to it. It comes down to quality of life. Yeah. Like if, if you're just going through the motions, doing what is expected of you, doing what you think you need to do, there's, there's low satisfaction in that because you haven't actually taken responsibility <coughs> for what it is that means something to you, what is worthwhile to you. You've gone, well, I'm just more willing to, to fit in, to default to this option because that will, I'll, I might get some... Um, feedback that says oh you know you're a, you're an honorable guy you're a great worker like you're a real grinder and and you provide for your family and good on you but on the inside you're feeling like yeah but like but what for like because I, I don't actually have a relationship yeah. with my kids you know my wife you know doesn't want to talk to me or doesn't want to you know um have that intimacy with me because when we're on a different frequency mm. a totally different wavelength and so i don't know like i, I feel very fortunate and like I say I feel fortunate because I feel fortunate I'm aware of that and I'm willing to invest in that and I see that a lot of men aren't at that stage yet and I'm not saying that I'm at a, like better or more progressed just that I've I've been able to identify something that I feel like works better for me yeah. and I get I hear this from my dad regularly when we have conversations because we sh- we try and share as is interstate so we try and share as much of stuff as we can about raising kids through you know photos and videos and calls and and, you know, he expresses somewhat of a regret that he, he worked three jobs, you know, most of, most of um, his life trying to provide for his family. Mm-hmm. But there was a cost to that. And the cost was that he was often not home, not around for the things that he now sees he would have liked to have enjoyed himself. And so what, what feels good, at, like hearing that from him, is like, first of all, I think, you know, dad did the best job he could with the resource he had. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that I really value that, that he's contributed to my life. And I, I think he did a good job with the resource he had available to him, mm. right? But I also really appreciate the, the feedback he gives me on the way that we're raising kids in that he, he really admires the connection that I have with our children and that we have with our children and we have with each other. Mm. And it goes like, in a lot of ways, I, I want to be a better provider because I feel that that's something I'm still trying to resolve. But at the same time, like there's, there's feedback from someone that I trust that says you're on the right path like you know, you do, you you've got um, more 
connection with, with what is of value to you and with your family, the people you care about, than what he maybe felt like he had. And then it's just about sort of then tidying up the rest of it to create balance. Yeah, I, th- I think you're in, a, you're in a great position as well because I feel like a lot of that kind of older generation of father was in, is, I think that's a very common story. You know what I mean? A lot of, it definitely rings true to me and my dad. My dad worked like, you know, like a dog for like, you know, basically his whole life for us kids, right? And I've got two other siblings. And it definitely rings true. I think it's very it's kind of, it's a very common story of that particular generation. I think where we, and you personally as well, have a lot of power and a lot of influence is that it's difficult for it. I guess you're in a position where you can, you can actually go against the grain and there's an opportunity for you to kind of invest backwards yeah. because your dad didn't have the, that mentality you said about planting the trees. Like, well, you can't really change that your, your dad's mentality 20, yeah. 30 years ago, but you are in a position now that you've got a lot of tools and you've got a lot of knowledge through your experience. You know, what do you guys, like, I don't know what you guys conception of it, but it's almost like you're, you're reversing it a little bit and trying to, trying to influence the generation before because they didn't have the luxury of yeah. being, you know. Well, it's, it's, it's continuing to invest in that because the thing that gives me great satisfaction, not, it's not like an ego thing where I go, oh, yeah, great, I'm doing a good job. It's mm. actually, not only is he seeing value in that, but he's feeling value from yeah. it. So he's yeah. going, not, he's not just like, he's not living in regret necessarily, but yet there's a little bit of that. Yeah. But it's like he's, the way he communicates his connection with with his grandkids, like that fills me with joy yeah. and fills me with like because I go well that's that's amazing because if you didn't feel that necessarily with your um, with your five children mm. like or you felt at different levels well now you can see that now you're really feeling the value of that mm. and that that's only going to add to the value of our relationship of his relationship with his other sons yeah. like. Um, we're all boys, so it's not a it's not a sexist thing. It's just that um, you know, and so you've got like a, a family of predominantly males, like right. So, and that that becomes that that was, I guess, the thing that we our image of what a male is. Mm. And so then it's kind of then um, you know develop your own perceptions of that, like move beyond like you know constraints of that type of like idea and concept of what is a male, and to go well actually. What do I want, like want? Like, where do I feel there is meaning and value in life, and therefore, what do I need to invest in to achieve that? I think there's a lot of benefits to be taken out from that kind of old school mentality as well. I don't oh, feel absolutely! Like we throw a baby out with the bathwater in that situation. No way, yeah, for like sure. That that concept of foregoing immediate pleasure for you personally, for the greater good of your, you know, your your family or whatever. I think that's that's definitely something that is true I think it'll be true for time you know in memoriam but like I think it's I think you have to think about at what cost yeah yeah because if I work you know day and night but I don't have a relationship with my kids it's like well can yeah. I work a little bit less and have at least some relationship with my kids yeah. like where's the balance here now yeah so I don't think this mentality of like guys should never work and be at home and no, do this but like there's is there maybe a middle ground that, that um yeah. is there maybe a middle ground that we can find where like you can have those sort of old school mentalities but there is some new school stuff um you know, yeah. it's, it's it's a it's a tr- I think it's a tricky one because you, you you're trying to you're trying to rewrite the generation yeah. from from a position of disadvantage because they've gone through it and it's been successful like here you are now then yeah. it obviously worked yeah you know what I mean so it's like it's hard to tell someone that something needs to be changed when it's yeah it yeah better. yeah and I think that's the thing is that we like we always think we can do things better and and lost people have regrets about things they did and things they didn't do and all this sort of stuff but at the same time we, yeah, you got to say like well 
I'm here now and like this is where I am and it's because of the things that, that I've done. Yeah. Um, and yes, well, I made mistakes along the way, uh, some positive, some negative things, like, but it makes us who we are. And mm. and so many people just think like that they want to be something else or someone else or whatever and, and it's taking away the, the joy of actually going, well, I'm me and, and I, I like who I am and I like what I do in terms of um, my life and I, I don't want to have to always try and be someone else I want to be me and 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 just embrace myself and and the people who tend to be the happiest are the ones who do that are the ones that can just be satisfied with who they are what they've got and doesn't necessarily need to oh, I don't know they have heaps of money heaps of car all, all these cars all these friends all these like I, I got I, I got what I need that satisfies me without I don't I don't need any more than that mm. um yeah just being happy with that it's hard, yeah. hard to find that though. Eh? It is hard. Um, I, I really struggle with that idea of like being worthy of, um, just being satisfied. Yeah. You know, with, 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 this, with, with the current situation. It's the whole thing about like, oh, you know, I'll be happy when like, and, and it's like, yeah. and it's like, oh, you know, well, I'll be happy when this this business is making ten million dollars a year, and uh, yeah, I'll be living on a yacht and all this sort of yeah. stuff. And it's like, but why why can't you be happy now? Like, uh, like, and that's the one thing that I've I've learned over the last few years is just to enjoy that process enjoy the journey and it's like well, like, like I, I love what we do and I love how we do it and yeah we want to there's goals and things we want to get to but I'm not going to be happy when I achieve that goal I'm going to just be happy with the journey and what we're doing now so yeah. I guess you're afraid I think this is probably another another a good kind of tactic that you use probably without even knowing it but if you framed what your happiness is right yeah. if you framed kind of what your contentment is and you know, a lot of people don't have that frame. A lot of people don't have a very clear, well-defined picture of what happiness looks like, what yeah. what the content looks like. And um, yeah, if you don't have that, if you don't have that kind of steering where you're going, then it's, you're always kind of behind the eight ball. And I think that's something that I've struggled with as well. Is like, oh, I'm not necessarily be happy at the moment, but yeah. at the same time, well, I don't really have a clear definition of what happy is. So yeah. it's about setting those expectations because I say like expectation, the the different like between your expectations and, and your realities is where your happiness lies yeah. because if you if you have these high expectations you never <clears> achieve them then you're, you're never going to be happy but if you have expectations and, and you're able to, to, to meet those expectations then it's going to bring you the joy so yeah I think I read someone say something about like obviously there's a lot of stuff going on in Russia and Ukraine and they're talking about the Russian and Ukrainian kind of uh, culture and stuff and they're talking about the difference between how people from that part of the world think about happiness and mm. they don't think about it in terms of um, product and output and things like that they think about it in terms of meaning and I thought oh, that really rattled me that really like threw me yeah. for a spin because I was like yeah, maybe we're thinking about it all wrong about like I, I, need to be, I need to be happy when I get this or when I produce this or when I have this what if it's about just just having a meaning a deep yeah. kind of really like rich something that you can really hang your hat on yeah. and that's the thing that kind of guides all your decisions in your life and that's that you know, they have cold winters and it's dark. And, you know, maybe it's just a, it's, it's a product of being from that part of the world, but I think it's something you can totally take from that. Maybe happiness isn't necessarily about A, B, C, D. Maybe it's about this is my thing. This is my meaning in my life yeah, and yeah. everything that I do is for yeah. this thing. And, and instead of fishing for X, Y, Z, maybe I should just try to look internally and find out what my meaning is and then try to align everything around yeah. that. Yeah, I always come back to like you can say it in different ways, but it's like it's it's meaning, it's purpose, it's it's fulfillment, it's worth worthwhile. Like, what is your worthwhile? Yeah, and and invest in that. Like, um, to to me, that is absolutely like 
I, I remember reading a, a, a formative book like um, The Happiness Trap by Dr. Russ Harris back in, I don't know, mid-20s or something. And, like, I've, I've read a lot of... I've always invested in personal development stuff. I really love that challenge of sort of growing and, and being um, you know, a more open and connected person and, and that sort of stuff. But, you know, one of the big focuses on that was self-awareness. It was on um, identifying your values. And so those things came... There was three distinct sections of the book and the last section was the goal-setting. And it's like, all that stuff is, is where you need to be first before you can then meaningfully chase something like that you want to achieve because, yeah. you know, that, that's a thing that you do. This is who you are, mm-hmm. like, and this is how you experience life. Yeah. And that, that was huge for me because I, I, to that point, I, I just lived a goal-based life. And so if I achieved it, I was happy. If I didn't achieve it, then I was depressed. Yeah. Not depressed, but like, you know, I felt crappy. Yeah. Um, and so, like, you know, I think, you know, to kind of summarize what we've been speaking about here today, that, that self-awareness, like, you, you know, it's worthwhile investing in that and worthwhile or purpose or meaning is why we do it. So, like, where do those two things apply for you in life and how do they work together to then be able to overcome challenges or discomfort to be able to grow the things that you really care about in life? Yeah, yeah it, it, it's hard to move in a direction when you're not sure which direction to go, right? And I think your yeah. meaning is is what kind of guides you. Um, yeah. Otherwise, you're just doing everything and anything, right? And, you know, all the self-awareness in the world is not going to help you to if you've not really got a clear yeah. picture understanding of that. Yeah. No, and I think what I, what, what I heard from you initially is, is it's that willingness to start yeah. and be open to, to being more self-aware. Yeah. Um, and it, and it is like things like habits and building in little things and stuff and um, being more aware of your habits and and we we can you can actually go to um, the adaptabilitymovement.com.au for such habits and we have a, a a PDF there that's just about um, identifying your habits and what what habits do you have that are helpful what are unhelpful and and what habits are neutral so it's a great way it's a great starting point as well yeah. to just to just again have a bit more willingness to to be aware and 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 sort of understand what you're doing and, and, and put it down on paper in front of you so then you can go, oh, okay, yep, I actually realise that I've got way more things in the unhelpful habit thing than I do in the helpful yeah. one. How can I start to then yeah. shift that? So And are those habits in alignment with what you care about? Yeah. So, yeah. Look, um, we're, you know, we've, we've nearly ticked up an hour and a half. Yeah, so it's been, a, a lot of like stuff, it's, it's been an yeah. awesome conversation. Yeah. Um, Cliff, appreciate you coming on and, and sort of sharing that with, with our audience and with us. Like, you know, the, the thing that we love about this is we grow through this process as well. Like, yeah. you've got a perspective, you've got an experience, you've got a value. Uh, and we appreciate you, man. Like, thanks for, oh, thanks for being here. It was great. Yeah, yeah I can't believe that time's gone so fast. But yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate you guys having me on and um, yeah, do it again sometime. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Um, oh. I don't, really, I don't really do you got, much. You got online. LinkedIn. Yeah, I got LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah, if you wanna, if you wanna um, reach out, LinkedIn's probably the best way to do it. Clifford C L I F F O R D. Last name's Minor M A I N A. Awesome. That's great. Thanks, come on, man. No worries. Cheers. Thanks, guys.